is something like that. My name is Nav. How are you doing? And how are you feeling? It's been an exciting year, man. It's been an exciting year. A couple of weeks more left. Jingle bells, jingle bells. A couple of weeks. I think there's two weeks left. And uh, a couple of weeks before we say goodbye to 2022 and hello, 2023. It's going to be an exciting year. Hopefully, fingers crossed, everything will be A-OK next year. This year was actually not too bad, but anyway, great news for the uh, podcast fans. We've got more great things, more great bands coming up for you. But today, all right, this is what I've been waiting for for a very, very, very long time since I started the band, the show. Uh, a band that actually plays my kind of stuff, okay? Especially they are performing in places like Bullseye. I haven't heard the name Bullseye in a very, very long time. That was many years ago, My one of my hangout spots. And the the music they play is the kind of stuff that, Whenever I go to the joints where music as such is being played, all I need is my drink, sit at the bar, and no conversations. I do not want anyone chit-chatting with me because I would like to play, uh, pay full attention to the band because that's how you experience their music and experience their show. So one of the bands, I finally managed to get them on the show, on the podcast, which is Cats in Love. These guys are freaking awesome. They have a brand new single. Two singles were released back-to-back, and one of it is uh, being released today as we speak. Uh, on this recording but the question is how am i to have a conversation or ask questions to a guy who has been asking questions all his life because there's no questions that he hasn't been asked before and uh, no questions that he hasn't asked before so let's see how this plays out on uh, on the show let's welcome lohan from cats in love lohan my man hey man hey man hi now for you it's i'm good man i'm good i hope you're doing great too all football fever kicked in for you Oh, totally. I've been sleep starved to death. Oh, really? I, You know, I'll be honest with you. I haven't watched a single match yet. I'm just waiting for the semis and the finals. I'm just waiting for that part of it. Oh, serious? I've never yes. missed a match. I know because, I, you know, the first half of the semi, uh, World Cups are usually like, you know, nerve-wracking. You know, it's like all the teams that you decide that you want to support, suddenly some of them might stay, <laughs> some of them might leave. So I just don't want to get into that that frustration. I always save okay. it for the semifinals and the finals. Okay. And okay, that's the time okay. you take off from everything and then focus on the whole game itself. So, but cool, cool, um, how cool. do you find this World Cup this year? I actually have been enjoying it because uh, I actually like watching the group stages because you get to see the smaller teams put on a show. When you go to the later stages, some of the smaller teams have gone out and you see some really good footballing nations, especially the smaller countries. But they yeah. may not have best teams. They will probably have the best starting 11. If they have injuries or suspension, they are doomed. That's but it. 11 will be exciting. I mean, you look at a team like Japan. They, they were in the group of death. They beat uh, Spain. They beat Germany. That was insane. Who knew, man? German, you didn't expect Japan to be topping that group. But they did. I, I know. With all the drama that was going around, and Japan, Japanese guys just came in and just wiped everything out, man. Wiped everybody out. Yeah. And they did it in style. Huh? They did it in absolute style. So... Once in four years, World Cup. I'm a World Cup nut. I went to the World Cup in Germany in 2006. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whoa, man. I saw one of the best matches. Argentina beat Serbia and Montenegro 6-0. Ouch. Oh, that match. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I remember that. Um, It's gone down in history as one of the most killer uh, World Cup games. That was a very, very, very good Argentina side. They haven't had a team as good as that since then. Lucky you, man. I don't know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, before going for the game, who knew they were going to win 6 0, right? Yeah, who knew, man? And I'm, I'm surprised yeah. that no, actually, no one I know from here 
has gone to Qatar to check out the match. I think I got one guy who actually visited one of the games in England in Qatar. Got to find out more about oh. how's the ambience over there, man. Because this is yeah, pretty. My brother in law, my brother in law went for like four or five games. How was it? Any, I mean, the whole ambience was. He's it not back cool? yet. He's still, he's still after Qatar. He's gone to meet my sister, his wife in uh, Amsterdam, and then they're coming back. Oh, you got to so, find out, man. I just want to know what's the uh, ambience like having a World Cup in Qatar. I, yeah, I saw yeah, the, yeah. the infrastructure, the whole thing, the ambience. It looked kind of interesting, apart from the bad press here and there. But overall, right. it seems to be one of. I was just watching one of the sports commentating program, and they said this is one of the best, well-disciplined World Cup session they had, especially from the fans. They said this is one of the best moments they had, man. I suppose once you eliminate booze at the tournament, things. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. I think so because yeah. they said the best, even even for England fans, they were the. Uh, this this is I think if I'm quote unquote I think this is somewhere on here. They said that this is the only match that the England fans actually behaved <laughs> for the whole. Game. <laughs> I don't know how far this podcast is reaching, so I reserve comment. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's a fact, but it's a fact, you know. But uh, of then course, again, I totally know, agree. I totally agree. Yeah, they, I didn't say it. It was the air sports commented. So correct, it's correct, up correct. to him, man. But anyway, correct, let's, correct. let's forget about World Cup and let's get back to you, huh. man, before I even get into your right. band. Cats in Love, you as a okay. musician, as a journalist, a writer, you have written some good stuff, man. I was just having this conversation with Lohan uh, just before we went on, uh, before I hit the record button. I used to do, use his work as a reference when of the days that I used to host a rock show. Because you had some good stuff over there. It wasn't just focusing on the, the mainstream artists. They had a lot of, um, I wouldn't want to use the word obscure, but then again, some people that needs, uh, not to say need, you need to pay attention to the details, like some of the musicians, some of the people who did works on their instrument, the events that took place. Alohan used to write some good stuff. And I used, used that as an inspiration and also as a reference for my rock show. Because, you know, like back in the day, Manada, all this Facebook, this internet, internet was there, but it wasn't as, as effective as it, is, as it is today. So you did some great stuff on that part, man. I really you have to thank you. I take this opportunity to thank you for the stuff you've written all those years. Awesome. I have to thank you for being a, a religious reader, man. Without people like you, I don't exist. Ah, come on, man. It was, yeah, it yeah. was there for the taking. You just yeah, served it yeah. nice, well dished. So somebody had to enjoy it, and I really did enjoy it. But Fantastic. you, you, you have written all the stuff from back then till today. How is it different for you from then and now? I suppose, in terms of the approach as a writer, uh, the internet definitely has provided a lot more information, access to information. But I really grew up at the age where I bought books and magazines. I my pay was pittance. Trust me, journalists were are poor people, but. So much more than half my salary would be dedicated to buying CDs, buying magazines, buying music encyclopedias, because nobody's going to teach you this. Yeah, nobody's true, very true. Literally, nobody's going to teach you this. And I didn't want to learn these things to be a smart aleck and know this. I was just dying to know how did these great musicians do this? When did they do this? Which studio did they record in? Which part of the year did they record? Was it spring? Was it summer? picture, the setting, all these things play a part in how a musician operates, you know. So being a musician myself, I think I always, I've told this to many of my journalistic colleagues and even my bosses, I think they didn't like me saying this, but the truth <laughs> is, I was always a musician first who used journalism to pay the rent so that it could finance my musical interests. Which is, which is great because 
uh, if you don't have that passion, you wouldn't understand what's happening around the the industry of the music business itself. Because writing, I'm sorry to say this, I, I don't mean to sound in any wrong way, writing, anyone could pick up the pen and learn how to write. But to have the passion to go along with it, that's that's a different thing altogether. So I guess you did a mighty good job. But in terms of writing now and writing back then, of course, the internet helped out a lot. And getting your resources, and like you said earlier, you invested in books, magazines, and it wasn't, not everything was current. You had to wait. By the time you get the whole thing, you read the whole information, it will be maybe a week old news or maybe a month old news. And nobody actually right. had problems with that, right? It's like everybody waited, right. everybody patiently waited. Now everybody Precisely. wants the news now. If it happened at now, in fact, they wanted, like they wanted yesterday. Exactly. So it's like everybody's in a rush, or else it's yesterday's news, you know, that yeah, kind of yeah. thing. So as as a writer, did you get annoyed at that kind of thing, or just like you just have to accept the fact that this is how it is nowadays? I, it didn't affect me so much because maybe I can I can give you an example, right? Like uh, back then, maybe in the 90s, when you go for, an, uh, say, an interview, right? And say you're doing a phone-in interview with an artist. So there'll be circumstance where there'll be one speaker phone and that interview will be shared by a few different media. Yeah. Right? So I know I'm the one who would be diligently working on all my questions to go for the interview. But I know that my newspaper, The Sun, would take four days to publish that article. Whereas all the other media that were there would have their articles out the following day. So I knew there was no way I could beat them in terms of time scale. Okay. So I told myself, all right, Loen, you got to write the best story. They can maybe write the faster story, but you had to write the best story. And to do that, you needed to equip yourself with the information, with the right vocabulary to describe the music you're talking about. And there's no shortcut, which is why I said as much as I bought the books and magazines, I spent so much money on CDs and records. I have like 5,000 records, 10,000 CDs. So wow. I'm, first foremost, yeah, I'm first and foremost a music person. La. The writing all was just an extension. And like whenever I approach writing, I looked at it this way. I want to write an article that I wish I could read. Nice. Because trust I me, your writing, especially your vocabulary, you're like the M&M of journalism because even when reading through your profile <laughs> of the music, it's like I, I almost needed a dictionary beside me because just to just oh, check man. out your, the profile for the other song that came out, your latest single. I was like, okay, where's my dictionary? Where's my thesaurus? What other options do I have? It's like now whenever I'm going to write or type something on my website, I'm going to feel like a kindergarten kid. <laughs> so I really okay, okay. suck at writing. That was not. That was not. The, that was not the desired. If I was hoping forward, okay. Yeah, which, which is good. Like now that I realize that you do provide once in a while the content writing courses, workshops, and all. So yes. I think you might sign up for one of it one of these days. I mean, I really awesome, do that. Awesome, badly, awesome, but. awesome, awesome. Music-wise, so, yeah. you've been doing it since what nineties and ninety, ninety what? Ninety-four. Early 90s? Started ninety-four, right? Ninety-four. Ninety-four. Started ninety-four. 94 till today, uh, in musical-wise, yeah. I mean, being a musician yourself, is it, has yes. it been that early, 94? I picked up the guitar in 91. So okay. then oh, I left my hometown. I, well, I wouldn't say I left my hometown. My dad kind of kicked me out and said, go and find a job. <laughs> where where are we feeding you? I'm, I'm from Ipo. You also? Huh? Ipo Who boy. else? Ipo boy. I'm from Ipo. Ipo boy, man. Ipo hey represents. man, this world is getting smaller by the minute. This is crazy. Which part of Ipo? I was from Madiga Garden. Hey, I'm from Lim Garden. I used to cycle in your hood, man. 
I didn't I used to cycle in your hood because of Tarsisan's con- uh, convent. <laughs> so you are the first disturbing the girls there, lah. Oh yes, you got my name there, man. <laughs> I used to See, cycle to Marina Garden at night to buy the food at the playground. The curry mee. The curry mee, the cha- the chakoi tiao. Exactly. You see, you see, this is the best part about Bling Malaysian and especially from Ipoh. Uh, when Ipoh, you don't hear about people driving or taking the bike. It's always the cycles. Cycling, the bicycle cycling. always worked even yes. when it came to you know Ipoh. Why? It doesn't matter how far it is. Cycle is always it. All right. You're not, you're not held back by a traffic jam. And you can plan your journey. You know, from my house to your Tumare Garden is yeah. a five, seven minute cycling right away. Exactly. No problem. I'll get there in no time at all. And oh. the best part about people in Ipoh, yeah. uh, before there were cell phones and all the other stuff, information traveled really fast. You can fast. do something wrong somewhere around Lim Garden before you even <laughs> reach <laughs> Madhya Garden. The information will go to your parents already. <laughs> oh my God, that is it's not funny though. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering how did they do it back then, man. It was really fast, man. It was nice. Yeah. So sorry, really I'll, before I interrupted this whole story, but Ipo, no, no, but it's so saying, fascinating to know that you're from Madhya Garden. That's a I know smaller than I can imagine, man. We were literally neighbors, man. Come to think no, of we it. were literally neighbors. I wouldn't have known. Okay, nobody told me this. All right. Yeah, I left Ipoh around '94, if I'm not mistaken. But that's the same year I also left Ipola. Ah, small world. We okay. Now the, the ultimate question oh. from Ipoh, you got asked which school. Okay, I'm guessing you're okay. What batch were you? What year did you leave school? '94. Okay, I left school in '92. Okay, two years. Which school? ACS Ipoh. I am from ACS Ipoh so much. Huh? Hey, this is not funny. <laughs> this, is, this is very. I am not, not joking. Hey, okay. Do you know a uh, Kevin? Which Kevin is this? There's a hell of a lot of Kevins down there. I know if it's two your years batch? above me, I uh, you, no, you your might school, have been your in. batch, your batch, not my batch. I think your batch. Kevin. I think I knew. Do know some Kevin? I know there's so many Kevins. Older brother Kevin is here. my batch. His okay. older brother is my batch. This, this Kevin is like, I think about two or three years younger. Okay. There's, there's a couple of Kevins. Uh, I think there's one Kevin. Uh, yeah, man, that should be. It's been a long time, man. We just had okay, some gathering. Okay. I go to check back the list. I think I do okay. know. Uh, ACS Epo two years. You always see there. Ah, that explains it, man. That explains a lot. Dude, man. this is crazy, <laughs> dude. You are moving ahead from my school. Ah, dude. It is a very, hey, very small homies, world. Bro. We are homies, bro. We are homies. Who knew, man? Who knew this Who podcast knew? is going to get so in? It's like, yeah. it's like reunion kind of session going on down here. Who right. ever and knew? When you, started off, like, you started off with so much hesitation asking me what school. I thought, oh no, he's going to tell me he's from SMI, man. This is a <laughs> No way, man. No when way. When he said, you're from ACS, I'm like, wow. How much smaller does this? Could you just imagine? Who oh. knew? I, ah. Yeah. A lot of people from Ipoh has come up with a lot in the music industry and the media business, yeah. I think. We've been producing yeah, good music, stuff. Yeah, music, yeah, music, yeah. Paul Ponadore was my mother's student. Yeah. Okay. Was my student. Yeah, Chia Sunkit was my mother's student. Badminton oh. player. Oh, yeah, yeah, there are a lot of big-name Ipoh guys, man. Oh, man, this is... Okay, this longer. this is where I look forward to meeting you in person for a drink, man. There's a lot yeah, of guys yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow, ACS Ipoh. <laughs> Oh man, the best part, one yeah. of the, the conversations with Sid there before he's introducing, he said, hey, make sure you also ask him whether he's a Malu or not, but then again. <laughs> Obviously, I'm a Malu. I know you uh, are same. a Malu. 
Yeah, so it's a small world, man. It's getting, it's shrinking. The world seems to be shrinking more and more. By the minute, by the minute. I know I could have. I just got to come and see you personally. I think there's lots more stories. We just might know so many people in between, man. We have a lot of things in common. A lot of dots to connect. Yes, exactly, man. Yeah, and yeah, uh, well, yeah, uh, sorry, let's before uh, the listeners be wondering where is Epo and where's Madiga, then I'll put it on the website like I have to. But uh, okay. music wise, where did they actually start start a band or really pursue your journey in I music? Started, after? I started in school in ACS, man, my batchmates basically. Really? That 92 batch, yeah. Do you know, you remember ACS used to have the variety show always in the year end? They had yes. school. Yeah, in the theater. They had the one. Yes, hey, ACS Theater is easily. My dream is to take Cat's Love and play in that ACS Theater. Oh, that'll be a dream come through, man. Because that's really like the Royal Albert Hall of Malaysia. Yeah, a lot of good plays came from that theater. Even Manu oh, Maniam yeah. used to come there and perform. Right. And all. Manu Maniam was a former ACS student. So, no yeah. surprise. So, no surprise. So, in 1992, school concert. My band, we started in 1991. I, I kind of started the band. I started playing rhythm guitar. The drummer was my classmate. Bass player was uh, also from my badge from another class. Slowly, just like ting tong, ting tong with each other. Hey, you can play drums. So, hey, I'm starting playing guitar like this, like this. Started jamming in uh, Kampong Banjoy area near yep. Silbin. Yep. Hey, in Silbin there, there used to be the studio. Uh, and that was my hangout lah, after going for BM tuition. Cycle there, ponting, hang around. <laughs> and it was also the jamming studio. So after school, maybe like once in two, three weeks, we jammed there. And I remember we rehearsed two songs. It was Guns okay. and Roses on Heaven's Door. And another song that my lead guitarist, he was clearly the lead guitarist among us. Like I was just learning how to plug and all of that. There was no way I could play lead guitar at that point. So he suggested a Stevie Ray Vaughan song. So Ooh. I was like, I don't know who Stevie Ray Vaughan is. He showed me the riff and he said, okay, Lohan, you play this and I'll play the lead guitar. Fine, I can do that. So it was a bit of a 12-bar blues kind of a riff kind of thing. And I think from early on, even listening to 80s rock music, I always leaned towards the rock bands that had blues in it. I never, okay. I never liked the metal bands. It's just a year thing. You know, from the Diff- time... In different people, different preferences. No? Different people, different preferences. I just, as soon as there was tapping and that, that kind of things, I just, it didn't speak to me. I always liked the bluesier players. So I love the Slash. I love the Mi'kmaq of Motley Crue. I love C.C. Deville of Poison. All those guys had a lot of blues in them. So I gravitated towards that kind of stuff. So I wanted to play Guns N' Roses. I suggested Knocking on Heaven's Door. My guitarist suggested this uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan song. Would you believe it? I have not heard that Stevie Ray Vaughan song until today. It's Which called- one is this? It's called Travis Walk. I can still remember. Oh, okay. Okay, 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 okay. I think I'm guessing it's an instrumental because we didn't sing it. I think I think I think I did play it before on well, the rock show before because I had played a lot of Stevie Ray Vaughan's back then. Okay, okay. So I'm I'm not I'm not so familiar with the Stevie Ray Vaughan catalog, to be honest. So he suggested that. So come school. I remember that day of the school concert was also at Matt's tuition. So I told okay. my parents I was cycling to tuition. I cycled straight to ACS, bro. Cycled to ACS and there was two shows that day, the afternoon show and the night show. So from the afternoon until night, I just hung out in school. Played the afternoon show and then played the night show. I told my parents that show at night. So, but I didn't tell them there was an afternoon show which from which I pun thing my at-match tuition. 
That's what that's what we all do, man. We all had a good reason yeah, yeah, for something, yeah. So that was my first exposure to, I suppose, playing on a stage. So ACS is a proper stage with a curtain opening. So when the curtain opened, like three hundred screaming kids, like, wow! Yeah, I could do this for a lifetime, man. Yeah, especially at that that age when you have that stage, yeah. your first experience, your first exposure. It's like before right. you step into the bigger stages, that the, the right. ambience itself of that hall uh, says right. it all, man. The whole right. thing right. is like, but the first time I used to be the ACS student electrician, so you used to set up mics and all. So you used yes. to clean, it's like, oh, okay, man. You were part of the sound what? team, la. Yeah, sound team, la. So it was like, even back then, it's like, okay, you set up the mic, all it's like, ooh. You know, it, it, it kind of <laughs> uh, led me into this so-called event management sound and, you know, rest. You know, DJing and all this kind of thing. So yeah, nice, schools like that nice. is awesome, man. But how did that right. school thing bring you to the music life in, in KL or the Klang Valley? Uh, well, like I said, I mean, I was so enamored about playing the guitar. I um, I was kind of like the third. I, I'm, I'm just quick reference. I'm the third boy in my family. Okay. So two older brothers were like really badminton players. They were more the sports guys. And uh, I think for the longest time in my life, I was always seen as the third son who didn't play badminton. <laughs> so I didn't my dad is like Mr. Badminton. So I was always the guy without an identity. But when I picked up the guitar, suddenly people started to say, hey, Lohan plays the guitar. Okay. So that instrument became something that, I, that gave me an identity. So I just, from the day I picked it up, I was like, all right, man. This is when Lohan becomes Lohan. I'm no longer the third son, the younger brother of these two older guys. His <laughs> guitar is own identity. Player. Yeah, so I was so in love with the music and uh, I was buying cassettes, you know. Even that time, although I was listening to the 80s and early 90s rock, I would buy CCR, I would buy Rolling Stones. I wanted to know where the roots were. Yeah. Wanted to know where the roots were. I thought, okay, I can't be learning slash licks, you know. Firstly, I couldn't even play them. Maybe I should go back to the roots and where it was. And uh, back in the early 90s, Sony Music released a compilation called Roots and Blues. It was a series. So the first one that came out, my brother bought the cassette. And this was blues music from the 20s and 30s, you know. So this was acoustic blues where it sounded scratchy, like from a scratchy record. Yeah. But immediately at 15 years old, I heard this and I thought, what is this? I fell in love with it immediately without even knowing what it was. But much later, when I realized why I like the rock bands that I did from the 80s, it was because they had the blues in them. That's true, why I acoustic blues, you know? So that connection was there. And then my cousin kind of came to my dad in 1994 and said, you know, Lohan is doing nothing. He's sitting in the house. Maybe I can get him a job in <laughs> New newspaper, you know, his English is good. Maybe he can write. So I had zero ambition in journalism. It was my cousin who literally yanked me by my shirt and said, okay, I'll take you to KL. There's an interview okay. with an editor in Sun newspaper who says she doesn't mind taking a young writer with no qualification. So I said, okay. I went there like a cocky guy. I sat down there for the interview. The editor asked me like, okay, write five paragraphs on why you want to be a journalist. Okay, that's a bit easy. I don't want to be one. <laughs> you know what? The whole story I wrote was why I have no interest in being a journalist. Oh, man. And this lady was 
stunned. She couldn't believe this guy was sitting here for a job and I'm giving her all the reasons why I have no interest in this job. And she told me I wrote that so well that she gave me the job. <laughs> hint, hint, for the future ones, do not try this. Not every, It doesn't work out for everybody. Oh, no, yeah, it doesn't work out for everybody. She appreciated the honesty and thought like, wow, you could write so well on why you have no interest in this job. So they gave me a job. So by default, I had no zero journalistic ambitions. I never imagined writing, but I am a product of, I grew up reading. Uh, what what paper did you grow up reading? Were you an NST reader? Yeah, NST. Back then it was more of NST than uh, okay. Star. Totally, I'm a product of R.S. Murthy's writing. Okay. And R.S. Murthy is my buddy today. So it was. it's quite strange. Like I grew up reading R.S. Murthy. So when my cousin said, Lohan, you know, your English is good. Why don't you write? And I'm like, no interest in writing. He said, just try it. So I went there and then they told me, okay, I got the job. Three weeks later, I started the job. And the next thing I knew, I was writing every day. Wow. And there I realized that, hey, people are buying the newspaper they are reading. At the end of the day, you owe it to the readers, man. Why should they pay 50 cents? Sun newspaper was 50 cents back then. Okay? Yeah, we were the I remember. first newspaper then. And the only newspaper that had a full features pull out that was in color so that yeah. was the marketing back then so i was given a column even my editor liked my work he even gave me a column then he thought like hey this guy might be young but he's got so much passion for this maybe it's good to let this guy do what he wants to do who knows he might find a readership out there so i okay. just and i just constantly bought magazines bought cds and educated myself 1994 got no internet here in malaysia la. Yes, yes, we know that feeling. Yes, it was still in its infancy. In fact, the first time I saw internet was when I joined the Star in '97. When I went there, people said, "Have you seen the internet?" I was like, "What is the internet?" Search engine, Netscape Navigator. I'm like, "Oh man, that was like NASA working in NASA. We had one man." Correct, correct. So it was all a culture change. But in terms of writing itself i don't think the approach to writing really needs to change from 1994 to today that doesn't okay. change your question earlier was about time scale right i think the time scale doesn't matter if you still write the best stories which is true yeah if people are looking for info there is no way you can beat the internet correct yes true but if you're looking for an article that can make them feel something in the way the writer has described the music positioned the artist then that really comes down to writing ability. And that's something I learned, like I told you, when I would go for the phone-in interviews, I could tell like the other reporters who would have their story out the next day. No way I can beat them in terms of speed. So write the best story. And what was the approach? Write the story that you wish you could read. And that's... Was- yeah, because that's, that's something that I always look at because the writing... It's not just about the information. It's how is it how is it being presented to you, yes. and how you get to be part of that whole conversation. Right. You know, you right. feel you the information that you get. Everybody gets information. I can just Google something somewhere, and I get right. everything that I need to know. That's that's not a problem. Right. But I want to listen to the story. I don't want information. I just right. want to listen to the story. So that's why, oh, like right. articles and such, are coming up with music and all. That's that's something that if if it's not written well, it's just another notice board. Correct. Absolutely. And I realized this very early on. You could tell the articles that would not engage you as a reader and you yeah. could tell the most that did. You know? Yeah, so, that's, that's a lot, man. Because... Stories, I totally was sucked into it, you know? 
Yeah, because the thing is, a lot of people in the in, that I've come across, or my majority of them get come across, yes, they do read books and stuff like that. But when it comes to like articles and such, the attention span is pretty short. If anything, more yeah. than two paragraphs, that's it. I don't want to read the whole thing. Too long story. That's what that's what they say. But hey, that's the best part. The longer it is, the better it'll be. Even conversations. Yeah, 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 if I want to yeah. do something for three minutes or ten minutes or twenty minutes, I don't get to say much or can listen much. So go ahead, Correct. two three hours. Why not? Go ahead, man. There's always an intro, the body of a story and a conclusion, man. Yeah, that's, that's how the whole thing works. That's, that's yeah, what I yeah. like about stories like uh, as such. You know, the best part of this whole thing for the past 28 minutes, I just, this, I was supposed to talk about Cats and Love and the band and the music, <laughs> but I think this is going to be a pretty long podcast, which I'm going to enjoy it very much every second of it. I'm going to enjoy it because it's, it's been awesome, a while awesome. since I had a chat like this, man. Because seriously, awesome. from writing and music and knowing all about music and being a musician yourself, okay. when exactly, I see, you still haven't answered this question, when exactly you decided that I need to get a band and I need to start performing, apart from the school days, la. With from that juggling point, through that work. moment, at that moment when I made the, when I put that first band together, I was like, I want to do this for the rest of my life. So the journalism thing just came in as I need a job to pay the rent and to finance buying the guitars and the gear and all of that. So I just kept. I mean, I know my bosses, my bosses that I work for and all that used to hate me saying this that. <laughs> I, as a platform just to earn a salary but that's the honest truth i'm a musician who could write and just made a career out of it so i could always focus on making it you know that never changed no matter how busy my schedule was i would finish the work the bosses would know okay i think lohan has got band rehearsal on tuesday and thursdays he will split early so i made it known to my boss from the start and they could appreciate it in the sense that i could deliver the work on time it was never late there was never an issue with the quality of the work I delivered either. So it was just, okay, do the work, Lohan, do what I have to do, do the best you can in your work so you can do the best you can in your music. So to answer that question, when did I want to be in a band? The moment I picked up the guitar. It was not, you know, people ask me like, hey, you play guitar for a hobby. I'm like, hobby is collecting stamps. <laughs> this is not a bloody hobby. This is my life. Oh, man. I, I kind of like my life. I know that passion and really I understand. Yeah. I, comes, I have some similarities on that part. Even when people said I used to talk a lot for MC and all part-time, I said, no, this is yeah, life. Yeah. I want to talk yeah, for a living. That's how it is. Right. Like people right. call it's me crazy. Like, yeah. yeah. But the, which was your first band? What's the name of the band that you first started off in KL? <laughs> okay. Do you That's still remember that? Yeah, 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 I do, I do, I do. Quite clearly, in fact, I'm, I'm so happy to say that I'm still in touch with uh, most of the guys except the bass player. He moved to Singapore and I lost touch with him. The co-guitarist and singer is a guy from New Zealand. He's actually a Kiwi guy. Okay. He was in Malaysia in the mid-90s working as an engineer and consultant for Maxis. Okay. So I knew him through a colleague in the Sun, a friend of mine working in the Sun, Rudolf Frank. He was working in the marketing department. So one day I started talking to him about playing in a band. And then he, I said, I have a list of cover songs I want to play. I have it in my bag. And he said, hey, let me have a look at the list. When he looked at the list, he noticed I had two songs by Rush, the Canadian rock band, Rush. So he said, wow, Macha, you like Rush? Huh? I said, yeah. And he said, I so. I said, wow, okay. He's the first fellow I met who liked the band. Then he said, are you playing in any band at the moment? I said, not really. 
then he said why don't you come and join us so i went and met these guys so there were two caucasian guys one guy was british and this other guy linden uh who's the kiwi guy and uh we kind of started jamming somehow things weren't working out with the british guy he actually okay. wanted guitar but when they brought me in he was uh i suppose he looked at it as a demotion to playing bass okay and he was very upset at that lah so it seemed like my inclusion demoted him so he oh. was kind of uncomfortable with me and like i was much younger than all these guys so then i think it reached a point where i didn't want to play with them anymore but then the, my drummer friend and the kiwi guy said you know what we'll get rid of that guy this <laughs> guy and then i brought in my brothers my eldest brothers batchmate to play bass this okay. guy named he joined and i think we rehearsed for quite a bit i think we played a grand total of two shows and then the okay. band yeah but back then in the mid 90s the jamming hotspot was amir yusuf's pub in damansara utama yes you, uh what's the name of the place again oh. it was originally called after five and then he rebranded it to ecstasy and then ecstasy. Around, yeah around that time the ecstasy drug came into the malaysian market and then having a joint name ecstasy was bad news lah so he changed it to x place so every sunday nights in this place was jamming night so all the musicians who didn't have bands would just turn up go and jam guitarists okay. would be like a dozen lah so i was among many fellows bass players will be about two drummer there was only one drummer i don't know whether you know this british guy named paul millet you know paul's really? place yeah yeah, yeah 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 paul's place the guy the owner paul millet is this british okay, guy okay. he's the consultant who maintains all the exhibits in the national science center in hartamas oh okay okay he is scientist musician so oh. he used to be the he used to be there on jam nights and no other drummers were in the house he'll be sitting on the drum stool the whole night so whenever they played jimi hendrix songs or cream songs i would go up and jam those songs lah if they played nice. something else, i was like okay i don't know this song if you play hendrix i can jam you play cream i can jam lah so i think the early days was doing a lot of this jamming kind of you you need exposure you know and i was like 20 21 years old a boy fresh out of ipo i don't know anything but like i want to play lah you know i just want to play that's the all excitement was there man the excitement was there and like there's nobody who's going to judge you because it's jam night you know true, so true, i true. Yeah, so that's also where i became friends with people like julian mokta you know uh, so julian mokta used to be there and he kind of realized i was a journalist and he knew i like music so i stuck up a friendship with him and it just went on from there so and then i think the first serious band after that was a band called samarkand which okay. i was with it's sujesh and uh, do you know martin vengadesan he used to write yeah. for star yes okay. yes yes vengadesan sujesh i and my drummer from that band in san rural frank we formed this band called samarkand and in fact okay. we released an album in 2000 we recorded two singles in king studio in 1998 and four more songs in the spanking new studio in in the year 2000 called synchro sound do you remember synchro sound synchro sound yes the most popular is a uh, studio in yeah. town man if you record yes, it is yes, a big deal right. it's a huge deal it's a big deal because it was like the most sophisticated studio in southeast asia at that point if i'm not mistaken yes. so i got that studio so we put the six songs together and we released it as an album so 
I suppose my first recorded product in a serious band was that Samarkand album, which came out in 2001. I think I might have played that because I don't know. The every the the, the longer the conversation gets, it's like I'm reminiscing all the stuff that I did during Airblaze, you know, stuff that I played in okay. band house, I heard of, and places I hung out. Like even in that era around that circuit, you're mentioning Paul's place, X place, yes. and there's used to yes. play this place near Pataling Street called the Wall. I don't know whether you remember that or not. That's more. That was more in the last 10, 15 years, I believe. Yeah. I, yes, I, heard about it. Yeah, there was another uh, chill, nice hangout spot. Every guys, Ramli mm. Sarim used to come out there. Man Kidal used to come and jam over there. So it's like mm. everyone. It was more like a jamming session. No, no DJs. Right. The only only song that you get in between bands is a music video or some classic rock session. So right. uh, these are the places I used to enjoy. So now with having this conversation with you is just taking me back into the good. Good awesome. times, lah. <laughs> awesome, 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 awesome. Yeah. So back then in the mid '90s, Amir Yusuf's place, I have to admit, was really a nice place in the sense that they had a jamming night. That whole Damansara Uptown Square today was very different back then. There was so yeah. many bars there: Colors Fun Pub, uh, Rasta, uh, Rasta Shack, Rasta Club. I so can't remember Hippie Club. Yes. So it a nerve center. So like, if you want to have a one-stop area. Where you could go and just pub hop and watch live bands, that uptown area was the place to be. Exactly. So go there and just hang out, you know, and just watch the bands. I, I, you know, just before your intro just now, you were saying you like to go and sit down, have a beer, and just watch the band. You don't want to talk. Yes. I'm exactly like you, bro. I hate <laughs> it. You want to talk to me when I'm watching the band? I'm like, exactly. It's like people I don't get it. People think that you're anti-social, but in All the right. actuality is when you want to appreciate something. You pay your fullest attention to that band right, or to the music right. without conversation. If I want to have right. a conversation, I'll go to a place where the DJs are playing music. That's it. Yes. <laughs> That's it. In fact, let's say that a mama where nobody is yeah. talking and you talk to your friend. Exactly. So when I'm listening to music, this way, whenever I go hang out in places, I don't tell people I'm going out. I don't invite and I don't accept invitations. I just appear out of the blue, <laughs> sit down in one corner of the bar where nobody knows me, nobody here talks to me, watch the whole set, and I go home a happy man. That's how yes. it is. Yes, because I actually, I, 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 to tell you the truth, I hardly go out. But when I do go out, I'm specific. I'm looking to watch a band, have a few beers, and I'm watching like a hawk. That's how it should be. Yeah, that's how you I appreciate want, things. I don't want my friends to be sitting talking like, "Hey, dude, I want to watch Lavey." Yeah, you see, you see, you're not bad, Lavey. You see, you see, you see. No, like, I'm not interested in your opinion, your comments. I want to gauge. So let me watch quietly. You know That, exactly, Pat. That's that's how it should be when it comes to live music. Do not unless right. it's like you know one of those pop bands and all this entertaining. That, that's a different thing. But like bands right. as yourself, it's a different thing. It's 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 not just the music, but it's also the skills at play. So you want right. to watch. Right. You want to experience every single detail. I'm not a musician exactly. myself. I wouldn't know notes of anything, riffs and bars. Right. I wouldn't know much uh, much of it. But You like to watch every single detail, to pay attention to the sound. Right. You just like right. immerse yourself into that whole, whole, whole experience. Like so, you feel right. like you're part of the band itself. So that's that's right. one right. thing a lot of people don't understand. It's not being yeah. anti-social, yeah. but it's appreciating the music and the band more. Correct. Right. Right. Because respect, I've always looked at myself as a student. No matter how pro you get, you're always a student, man. There's no such yeah. thing as everything. So I can yes. watch in playing less has been playing less. Than, I mean, hasn't played as much as I have, but I'm still a student, man. True, very true. I'm a student. And that's how you improve. 
Yeah, that's how you improve. Everybody has something to offer. Uh, a musician lacking experience still has something to teach you, man. Never, never think you know everything. Never. Yeah, it's impossible to know everything. Even a lot yes, of the uh, pioneers right. of the business, they still uh, they still hang out in places. Precisely, and, uh, precisely. You wouldn't believe it that uh, many, many years ago, you just played this club and called the ship and all. So out of the blue, this one particular guy came, walks into this club. There was this live band playing, if I'm not mistaken. It was Groove Company, if I'm not mistaken. So this one guy was in the corner there. There was this white dude. And I was like wondering, why does he look so familiar? So I thought, Maybe it's him, but I don't think so. Why would he come to this particular part, uh, spot and watch a band? It was the ship club, fun tag and all. I was spinning there. Just watching the music. Then he looks at me and he goes like, you know, shoo. I was like, okay, why did he do that? I mean, he must be somebody popular. But I still didn't, I didn't, wasn't too sure whether it was him. So the yeah. very next day, the drummer saw me uh, shake, shake. Uh, he was the drummer. He saw, he saw me looking at that guy and all. He said, next day, he came back to me and said, you know who's that guy? I said, I think I know who he is, but I don't think so. Why would he want to come to this place? This guy pops out the cart. Led Zeppelin Corporation, John Paul Jones. He was at the pub. Wait, <laughs> I'm not... Yes, in front of this <laughs> Bro, you're kidding me or what, bro? Serious? I'm not kidding you. I am not kidding you. Yes, so yeah. the car, the guy, yeah, he had the thing. So I was like, okay, fine. No, I'm freaking out. I'm freaking I out. I know. Imagine me. I felt like an idiot. I should have just... Yeah. He just came in because he was supposed to endorse something. So it was a pit stop or whatever. So he that's what he did the whole thing. So I did not acknowledge him. I just okay, thought maybe I'm wrong. Like, why would like, he come to these kind of places? And that's how it was. It was it was a shocker. But I saw the name card and everything. I was like, why did this when have to this, happen bro, bro, to me? I when, just... when was this? When was this? What year was this? Oh, this this was I don't know. This was more than fifteen years ago, man. Way more than fifteen years ago. But I was in the media, man. If John Paul Jones came to Malaysia, there's no way I would not have known. This he I just pitched off, he came, he disappeared just like that. He there was such wow. a quiet experience. So this this is the kind of things you never know why these people walk this place. It's like and then among all places he pitched off there. Who knew, man? Because apparently he was staying somewhere close by or whatever. So I did. I don't know what the details were, but I didn't want to continue the conversation because I was frustrated as fuck, man. I just didn't want to have to more to know more about the whole thing. This was many so more than fifteen. These people I would have killed to interview. I know, I know, but he, but he looked completely different. I don't know was it a disguise or what. I don't know. He looked completely different. But you know, when you spot someone, when you're a fan of someone, you just know that's him. But you have your doubts that. Because of the place where I was pitting and all, it's like, no, it's right, impossible. Right. You just cannot pitch anyone... together, right? Yeah, why would he want to come to hang out at this kind of places and all, you know, correct, that's that's kind of thing. Correct. So, But I guess he was lucky enough. Like, somebody actually had a conversation with him only towards the end, he revealed who he really was. Because, I mean, anybody could come up and say, hey, I'm Slash, hey, I'm this, I'm that, like lookalikes or whatever, but yeah, this was yeah, different. Yeah, man. He yeah, kept yeah. it low profile to the maximum. Nobody knew. Because it was kind of, I still, I could vaguely imagine his pictures, uh, his face, and it was in a packed club, and nobody, and that's the group of people who doesn't know anything about Led Zeppelin. So you just imagine, uh, so it was easy for him to come and go. Uh. Well, I'm so jealous, man. I'm so jealous. You're jealous. Uh, I'm frustrated, man. I didn't get a chance to say <laughs> hi or take a picture, but back then, what picture are you going to take? Uh? That's no, how man. it is, man. Seriously, sometimes. <laughs> 
I know, you know, it's 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 totally different, dude. Ah, oh, I don't know, man. This, enough of my frustrating story. Let's get back to you, man. Let's get back to you. I mean, being in all the circuits, you've been, I mean, uh, talking to all these people and uh, Samar Khan, right? That's the, the band that you were with. Samar Khan. Sam Khan. What, what is the name of the band again? Sorry, Sujesh. Sujesh is going to kill me if he hears this. What is the name of the band you did recording more earlier? Come again, sorry. Sorry, the band that you were with earlier when you recorded the song at at Synchro Sound? At Synchro Sound. It's called Samarkand. So we released an Samarkand. album in 2001. Yeah, Samarkand. It's, that, uh, it's an ancient city in Uzbekistan and it's also the name of the hotel that Jimi Hendrix died in, in London. Ah, okay, okay. So, but from yeah. there, how did you get into Cats in Love? Okay, so very easy. Basically, Samarkand was a band that was plying the progressive rock route. We all of us liked 70s progressive rock. I love Rush. I love Yes. I love um, uh, Rush, Yes, King Crimson, Jethro Tull. So the four of us were very much into that kind of music. I'm pretty sure Grand Funk was in the list. Come again? I'm pretty sure Grand Funk was in the list. Actually, not at that point. Really? I really like Grand Funk Railroad as my part of my listening diet. But uh, okay. some was not a, was into Grand Funk Railroad. Although we did cover one Grand Funk Railroad song when we played live. We covered uh, uh, I'm Your Captain. Closer to okay. Home, I'm Your okay. Captain. Yeah. So, but otherwise, I'd say that band was really... We, they, we were not so much... I was personally a classic rock fan, but I think a okay. lot of the guys were more progressive rock bands okay yeah so then um when that band broke up i think i i I recalled really badly from the whole progressive rock trip i said you know what i don't want to play this long five six seven eight minute song shit anymore i want to go back (laughs) i really wanted to go back to the roots where 60s sorry are you there Anything more than three minutes. You know, there was no other way. Okay. Okay, uh, sorry. Sorry to interrupt. I think your line is breaking up. Are you getting me uh, loud and clear? I think I can hear you, but on this screen, I think we look like both hung. Okay. I think it should be be okay in a second. I think bad internet connection. You can have the full bar there. Okay, I can see you, but I look hung. But you can, shall I just continue talking? Yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I think I'll just do it in the editing later on. Oh, sorry, you can click on the device again. All right, we're back after the technical glitch. But then again, let's talk about the uh, Samarkand from Samarkand. How did I get there? <laughs> to Cats in Love. How did the transition happen to Cats in Love, man? We were talking about the music that you played. You're talking about something about Grand Funk and all. So I'm just still curious to know how did Cats in Love start in the first place? Okay, all right. Cats in Love basically started. Uh, I was a musician friend of mine. He's now based in Australia. Uh, have you heard of a band that was quite popular back then called Free Deserters? Zach Yusuf? I think so. I think okay. I might have heard that. Yes, I might. All right. So Zach and I started as an acoustic duo in 2004. After Samarkand fell apart, I was like, you know what? I don't want to do this prog rock thing anymore. I want to do something okay. different. So I started working with Zach. 
and we were like a duo, acoustic duo. Then I suggested to him, why don't we put a band to back this whole project up? So okay. I called my former Samarkand drummer, Rudy, and I also asked my uh, housemate, my colleague at that point, and my childhood friend, this guy named Rizal. Do you remember okay. an ACS teacher, English teacher named Mr. Chandra Gassam? I think, yeah, he was, yeah, he was still there when I was around. Yeah, Chandra, yeah. He was still there, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Rizal's dad is Chandra, Mr. Chandrasam. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so, so anyway, so I, so Rizal used to play a little guitar, but he wasn't so serious about it. And I told him, dude, I'll teach you how to play bass. Let's just put a band together and do something. Okay. So we decided we'd do that. But then I think uh, Zach had different ideas of where he wanted to take the music. The three of us were more like old school rock and roll guys. Zach yeah. was always into more of the British indie scene. So uh, things didn't work out. So Zach went his own way. And then I had these two guys. I played guitar. One guy played drums. One guy played bass. Hey, what are we going to do now? I said, why don't we write our own songs? And then I asked them, who's going to write? They said, you. I said, why <laughs> me? What makes you think I know how to write? Then they said, well, it's your band. You suggested it. So I'm like, okay, who's going to sing? Then they said, you as well. Oh, man. So, so this band actually, in a nutshell, it's necessity is the mother of invention. I only wanted to play the guitar. Okay. But then suddenly it fell upon me that, you know, hey, I have to write the songs. I, 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 was, I found myself in a situation where these guys depended on me to write the songs. And I just had to step up to the plate and tell myself, you know what? If I have to do this, I have to do this. Then I roped in another colleague who also was working with me in the star. He used to play piano when he was a kid. So I said, listen, I will compose the keyboard parts. I'll show you what to play. You just play this. I told my bass player friend, okay, you play this. And if we all played our things together, this would sound like the song and this would work like a band. Nice. So that's how we began. So that's how we began. But very quickly, those guys became independent. And we started uh, our debut show. This was all in 2004. And we planned for our debut show. Our debut show was at Paul's place. And in, in uh, I think, April 2005. And it was organized by my very, very dear late friend, Hassan Peter Brown. Oh, yes. He, yes. Yeah. So I've been close to Hassan for many years. So he was organizing a show. And he said, Lohan, why don't you bring your new band and play here? So it was our debut gig. And I remember, and Hassan actually recorded that show. I have that show on CD. Cats in Love oh. debut show. I have it on CD. Yeah. Nice. Audio, just audio. Yeah, but it's nice to listen to it. I mean, when I listen back to it, I cringe a little like, whoa, that's what we sounded like in 2005. But it's still great to have a product of our debut show. Yeah, and you, don't, you don't get that much. Usually your first show, I mean, especially back then with all the non-technology was there. But then again, it's not as what it is today. So having a copy all of right. it is... It's a big deal. All right. It's a very Correct. big deal. All right. Correct. And that's credit to Hassan because it was his show. He wanted to record all the bands. Okay. So he did record all the bands and he made a copy of Cats in Love set at that show and gave it to us. So I have that and that's so precious to me because as you said, how many bands have their debut show recorded? That means oh, recorded yeah. as a multi-track, you know, recorded as a multi-track. So it oh, was quite cool. Yeah, oh, well so planned. I have it was that, quite well yeah. planned, actually. Well planned. Hassan did it very well. And Paul Millet, the guy who runs Paul, Paul's Place, is also such a passionate man. He supported the indie scene so strongly. I mean, the indie scene owes a great deal of debt to people like Hassan Peter Brown and Paul Millet. No two ways about it. Huh? 
I was there from the mid 90s and I saw how much these people did for yeah. the indie scene. So Catch and Love started there and then uh, Rudy left. I mean, it, it became a bit of a revolving door of musicians. I think some people, uh, I mean, like people have different expectations as well and they want to see results happen soon, but it takes a while for a band really to get up to speed, to reach a point where they become a decent live band. And I, uh, I think, yeah, I think that only happened with the later lineup of the band, which is the, the lineup of the band that ended up recording the album, the album that you will eventually listen to and the single Black Monday. Okay. That lineup of the band was really the lineup of the band that maybe went places. In 2007 or 2008, Catch and Love became, I believe, the first, from what the owner told me, the first rock band to have a residency at No Black Tie. Oh, okay. So Catch and Love's training ground, if you will, we played No Black Tie the most, which was so strange. We are a rock band, an indie mm. rock band, but that owner liked us so much. Every alternate month, Nav, she would have us there. That means through 2007 to 2009, uh, every alternate month we were there. And then when she had extra events like Blues Night, she would pair us up with Ito and his Blues Gang All-Stars, yeah. that kind of thing. Uh, so we would play alongside those bands or have our own feature night where we would play two sets. Our business model was our first set, one hour completely originals. Our second set, more obscure 60s, 70s rock covers. So we will never play Smoke on the Water, Soldier of yeah. Fortune, no, none of that. La, Hotel California. That's something that I've always enjoyed in bands. Like that's why I said places like Paul's Place, No Black Tie, Out the Wall. One thing about the bands that were featured there, yes, you had your, your, your couple of uh, night spots that had bands who played some rock stuff, but the obscure right. stuff, they were very limited. Because, right. of course, you got to cater for the crowd, and certain crowd just wonder what the mainstream radio plays or what right. they're familiar with. The obscure ones right. are only for people who appreciate this kind of music and they have their own following for that kind of sound. And your right. band, Cats in Love, and a couple of other bands uh, with the similar taste or rather similar genre, I should right. put it, uh, yeah. were the only ones performing it. That's where when I saw the video, uh, the first time I saw your music video, was like uh, or one of the shots that were taken during your gigs. I was like, man, these are the kind of bands that I always love. Because it's not right. easy to find bands that play obscure stuff and you guys did right. it which is amazing man and coming up with a name right. like cats and love which is pretty interesting but especially when it's an accidental thingy that came out yes. from a song called can't see love and yes. can't see love and cats in love is like oh yeah like almost the same almost <laughs> right so my bass player oh. that guy rizal johan he uh-huh. i was writing this song can't see love and i was singing to him he was my housemate and he heard wrongly wrongly and he said are you singing cats in love then i scolded him i said what's wrong with you are you deaf but at that point, we didn't have a band name. Then I thought, oh. this is a stroke of genius, man. <laughs> so yeah, credit goes well. to him. I never named the band. It was his oh. work. But yeah, then again, for those who are going to try to Google the name, I would want, give you a fair warning that you're going to find either <laughs> Ugly Kid Joe a whole lot of videos about cats cuddling with others. Because yes. trust me, for the past two, three days, I've seen more cats in these past three days than I have in the whole year, man. I could, I ended up dreaming about cats. Oh, man. But it is nice. It is nice uh, to see yeah. you guys coming up with the music. And the album, which I think you, you planned this for a very long time, if yes. I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere yes. around 2019 itself, you guys had almost 70% of your songs recorded. 
And is that album yeah. being released yet, or is it? This is the okay. one that you're looking okay. at. Actually, the album was about seventy to eighty percent was completed in two thousand and nine. Okay, is that long ago? So that lineup okay. that recorded the album, our keyboardist Catherine, she was at that point where she wanted to move on, move out of the band. So okay. I, I kind of like coaxed her. I said, okay, can you just record your keyboard parts? You don't have to play with us anymore, but just finish your keyboard parts. But I guess she just got very busy with her studies because she was a music student. Okay. You know? So uh, I could understand that she had exams and all of that. So somehow she never finished those parts. And there was a great demand for Cats and Love to continue being a live band. So okay. now, honestly... Cats and Love's reputation is we were 110% a live band. We've never had recorded products. So you would only know us by watching YouTube clips of our live performances or you are at our gig. You know, most bands, like a lot of bands have videos, have that, and then only you go and see them live. Cats and Love is the complete reverse. We were just utterly a live experience. Nothing else. We had no product. We had nothing. So everywhere we got to, we got through out of our reputation of being a live band. So the jazz festivals we played, it's so strange. At so many jazz festivals, there'll be this one rock band there, will be Catch and Love. Okay, what? Ah, no, so strangely, all these people who run jazz uh, festivals and all that liked us. They said, y'all are not like heavy metal. Y'all are not like that. You know, there's something about your music that even the jazz fans like. So yeah, I because, don't know how much that made sense, but I appreciate it and I value their feedback. You got to give credit to the blues. Correct, because, if, because I'm a you, blues if, nut. Yeah, because if you even if you're a jazz fan, uh, you do have that the blues element somehow or other yes. mixed somewhere, at least a small All percentage right. of it. And All even right. if you're a jazz lover, you listen to a blues track, you have yes. the jazz. You will still like it. it. Yeah, blues, blues has transcended through the years, man, from... Like you said earlier, from the 20s, 30s, anything that you Correct. listen to has that blues element in it, whether you notice it or not, but Correct. it is there. That's it the is thing, there whether somewhere. you noticed it or not, that's the important yeah, catchphrase there. Even, even from now, the generation who's like, I mean, the new ones who discovered Guns N' Roses, all they yep. can think is the heavy metal uh, rock tracks, bikes, you know, Correct. all the guitar riffs and so on. But Correct. if Correct. you watch Slash during his performances with BB King, yeah. John Correct. Mayer and all this kind of stuff. Correct. There's a lot of blues in that. There's a lot Correct. of blues in that, which a lot of people Correct. don't pay attention to. So you blues Correct. is a, in everything that you do, man. Your yes. R&Bs, your hip-hop, everything. Correct. Your blues R&B is there. stands for rhythm and blues. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it go. is there. Yeah. So I think maybe that's the reason why people are fascinated or rather connected or rather connected with Cats and Love, if that's the case. I have to assume that because I can't explain why jazz venues wanted us to play there. Blues, uh, I mean, uh, jazz festivals wanted us there. And they're like, I used to think, and I used to tell them, I feel a bit uncomfortable. Why would you want us? And they told us, we've heard a lot about your band. We've watched videos. We want you guys. So yeah. I can only put my hands together and say thank you very much to the people who have been kind to us over the years. I got to thank them for actually having more of you guys on board, man. That's the best way Correct. to do it. Because Correct. music is not just about, it's not about how popular the song is or what the song Correct. is, technicality. It's how Correct. it makes you feel. Correct. It's all about Correct. how it makes Precisely. you feel. If it makes Correct. you feel good. That's, that's all that matters. Yeah, that's the whole thing, man. Yeah, and coming up, so, sorry, we were talking about the band. So after that, like, you did not release that whole album, right? Yeah, so it ended up being on ice for all this while because I kind of lost the motivation to finish it because the demand for us to continue playing was there. So every time we got together, 
then later I started playing with Ash. I believe you've spoken to Ash as well, yeah. right? Ash and Gopinath. Yeah. So Ash started to play with us and we became just a live machine. La, now. We were just playing, 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 playing every other place we played. There was a demand. People asked you to play, go and play. The money was good. So, and I realized that some of my bandmates, they relied on the income from performance. I didn't okay. because I had a day job completely. And I'm like, you know what? I'm so happy that we can earn money that you guys can be happy with this. So it served its purpose. I was happy. The guys were happy. We were being paid well. Play la. You know, just play. We continued playing. And then I think when I met Sid, Sid was the one who started to poke me and ask me more about the band. You know, you all have an album. I said, oh my God, I don't want to talk about this album story, man. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like guitars, bass, drum, vocals, mostly everything done. You know, the keyboards just never finished it. So then when Sid started to say like he wanted to manage us, he started to push me and I thought, you know what? Finally, somebody who believes in this product, because I'll be honest, I kind of lost the belief in it. You, you know, always I really need the, lost. Third, the third view. Yes, just somebody to push me because I know I can do it, but there was no motivation because I know if one sketch in love is up and running again, there will people will ask us to play, and it's always nice, but we couldn't get to that next level in the sense that if you want to play at the international pop festival, the jazz festivals will call us without a CD in hand. Yeah, but yeah. the pop festivals, like say the international festivals that come, the circuit, all that, huh? You don't have a product in hand. You have no passport. Very that true. Is your passport. So when Sid put that in my head, then I thought, no wonder we were not getting those gigs. Lah. The jazz yeah. fillers will call us no sweat. No problem. The blues fillers will call us no sweat. But the international pop festivals, we could just never, ever get one leg in there. Lah. So when but, Sid uh, pushed us to... Yeah, sorry. You were saying? Sorry, you were saying Sid something? Now, when Sid pushed us and said, like, you know, Lohan, that's the only way forward, then I thought, okay, la, maybe it's time to finally give it this push and see this whole through. So, honestly, the album eventually coming out, to me personally, is more like a chapter closed. But to the audience, it's a chapter open. Actually, it is a chapter open indeed. Because, okay, uh, for my experience of being in the business for all these years, it's like... Yeah. One of the things is great to be a live band, yes. But yeah. there's also as as a listener or, or audience, you're always curious to know that what is it like when they play the originals. I want yes. to take the music back with me. Yes. Of course, experiencing it is one thing. I've just watched yes. you, and there's only a certain time or place that I can do that. But what yes. if I would listen, want to listen to the band that I like very much? I like yes. the sound. I like the music and the original stuff they come out with. So if I want to take right. it back, I need the CD or I need the, the music right. being played anywhere. And at right. the very same time, it's for you to take it to the next level. I mean, you've yeah. had chat with so many bands, both locally yeah. and internationally. Yeah. So this is yeah. one of the ways, this is the stepping stone or this is your rocket to take it wider, not only right. for local market, but international market, especially when I was listening to right. your uh, latest single called Black Monday. Right. Ironically, I played the song and once it was over, the next set of songs that Spotify was playing for me was a lot of Southern rock tracks, which had the similar, <laughs> which is great. I love yes, the which is great. I Southern love rock. Southern rock. I love yeah. Southern rock. I'm a hardcore Lynyrd Skynyrd fan, bro. Yeah. I was like, okay, wait, is this the band? I thought Skid said only there's only one single out there. It's like, okay, the next one comes in. Then I check, hey, it was different. And and the best part is you don't notice the difference between a Malaysian-made band 
uh, Malaysian band and also the international band because the sound was right. The sound right. was absolutely right. Absolutely. It's not about am I supporting the local guys or not, but I like the music. So one thing led to another. So I was thinking, okay, if these guys come out with an album, just imagine not only how Malaysians are going to enjoy it, but people outside of Malaysia is also going to experience the sound of Cats in Love. So it'd be great if you have your album out there, man. Yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong. That was the plan. But like I told you, after 2009, it just never completed. I just lost sight of things, you know. We just uh, Because the whole plan was when I started Cats in Love was to record an album that was singular. That was the singular. I was so driven by it because like you said, I've interviewed bands and like, how is it I like all that music that I like? Because I have their records, I have their CDs. I know what it takes to do it. But when that motivation died, I just kind of lost it. And then it was like the demand to constantly play live was there. And like I said, we had a, we had a very nice uh, business model in terms of our live show where our first one hour was completely originals. So people who came for the show, the first hour before they got drunk, they could listen to our originals and go, hmm, this is something different. We've never heard a Malaysian band playing this kind of variety of old school type music. English somehow, you know, and then the second set was rock covers, but it was absolutely not your Hotel California, your yeah. long train running, your smoke on the water. It had none of that. You know, that was the opportunity, like, because I was always a music student and I amassed a crazy collection of records and CDs. I've listened to so many things that I know classic rock radio DJs never play. So I would go and learn those songs and let my bandmates listen. Hey, guys, let's cover this song. Nobody will know this song but they're going to be blown away by it. I would tell my bandmates, the, the way I would pick a song to cover was, I would tell myself, if I walk to a bar now and I heard a band play this song, would it blow me away? If the answer is yes, then we cover this song. And this is the track number 13 in an album. Yes. You know, track number 12, track 13. Yes. Everyone pays attention yes. to the first one and the Correct. third one. But it's always, Correct. the best ones are usually the ones somewhere around 10. Between 10 right. and 15. That's always the Got best right. track in the bar. In, in an and album, I would man. even choose artists that were less popular. I, I won't use the word obscure, but less popular. Like you would never hear a pub band. I mean, in that time when I covered the pub circuit in the 90s, I never heard any of these songs being covered by any pub band. So I use that as a reference. And Because the, it, and, and it gives you a fresh feel when you do that. Correct. It's like you're breaking from the monotony of music uh, that you correct. hear it all the time, whether it's mainstream our radios Correct. or maybe Correct. a Spotify playlist and so on. Correct. These are the songs. It's fresh. It breaks the monotony. So when anybody listening to it, it'll have like, okay, this is something I haven't heard of. I right. heard it once. Okay, I'm still new to it. I'm still surprised. But when you hear it twice or three times, you start forming the liking because it's different from what you usually hear. Yes, precisely. And like we used to play quite a few Grand Funk Railroad songs in Catch and Love. So... I used to get like uh, the song that we usually ended our set with back then was uh, Inside Looking Out. That's like a nine and a half minute song. And like, it's a loud screamer type of song. You would, you would think that most non-rock fans would be scared of this song. But you know what? The geekiest and nerdiest looking people would come up to me after the show and say, wow, we love that song. What song is that? And I know these people don't listen to rock music at all. But something in this music connected with them. And that exactly. was always what I tried to do because I always feel the only reason these people maybe don't like this genre is they haven't been introduced to it correctly. Exactly. That's what that's that's something that pops me to the next question because 
Uh, you have your, you're an independent artist. Okay, step one, one right. category, you're an independent artist. At the very same time, your genre is more towards the uh, the sound. I would say the sound. It's not exactly. It's somewhere to this classic classic rock kind of Definitely, thing. Definitely, I agree modern, with you, 100%. Modern yeah. twist of it. So combining yeah. both independent classic rock artists with right. the current set or rather current trend that's going on, do you think it's going to pose a challenge for you in terms of getting people to accept it? Or do you think that this would be a fresh new feel to the market, to the audience out there, if it's, it's being marketed in the right way? Okay, my honest take is at the end of the day, I've learned this. I think the moment you start to second guess your audience, thinking you know what they like is when you're in trouble. You okay. don't write music catering to a particular audience. You write music that you like first and foremost, and you only hope they like it. Because if you don't do what you like first, you don't even like what you do, man. How can that be true? And because I was never in a situation where I chari makan as a pop musician playing cover songs, I always told myself, nobody is telling us what to do or how to do this. The rules in Catch and Love are, there are no rules. Nice. We do exactly what we like, how we like. And the fact that we've been around for this long and we've always drawn an audience to the shows leads me to believe that there is a market, you know? But nice. it's just that we've never had a product in hand where we've not been able to be on Spotify, on all the internet platforms. Like I told you, Catch Love is singularly and purely all this while a live show. If you didn't come to No Black Tide to watch us, you don't know us. If you didn't come to Merdekaria to watch us, you wouldn't know us. You know, it was really that. So I think I'm hoping the album would just put us on a platform where people can hear the recorded product. As you said nice. just now, you know, if you don't have a product in hand, people can't take away. After leaving your show, they have no CD to stick in the car CD player to hear a song. You know, nice. I totally get it. And I know that has been our shortcoming for the last decade. I'll be well, the first least, to admit that. At least you figure out now. It's never too late. Yes, so yes, yes. The best yes, part about and Cats like, in Love is, in a nutshell, I would say that you're not giving the audience what they want, but you're giving them what they need. I wouldn't dare say that. I hope... No, I, I I'll hope say it I, on I, your I, behalf, I, I'll just okay, say it on your behalf. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. For me, this is just, I mean, like you, you can tell clearly from the music, I love my classic rock. And you look at my uh, record collection, you'll know there's a lot of classic rock, but there's also a lot of blues. And I grew up with 80s British synth pop. I have two older brothers. So I listened to your Duran, Duran, your Wham, your, you know, all these bands were the bands I originally liked. That means following chart music for me happened from the early 80s. Only in the late 90s, in the late 80s, when Guns N' Roses appeared, Def Leppard was like, suddenly I was like, hey, this 80s synth pop shit sucks, man. I'm a rock dude. Suddenly <laughs> overnight, I went from listening to 80s synth pop because the music landscape was changing as well. Yeah. The, 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 the epitome of pop music from the mid, uh, mid 80s started to change from the 80s synth pop to rock. Yeah. You know, American Top 40 started to get more exposure, started to appear on uh, Radio 4, you know, and that's when I got into a lot of this. And it was Def Leppard, then it was Guns N' Roses, then it was Poison, then it was Motley Crue. It was all the these hair kinds bands of bands. came in at one point. Correct. And back then, we didn't call them hair bands. They only called yeah, them only... hair bands today. Yeah. Because no, even back like then it was back, rock. Back, in the, back in the day when I first started the rock show, it's like, I think I, I dare to say that I was one of the first ones to do that. 
Because yep, you yep, know, yep. being in the government station and playing classic rocks correct, and metals and all, correct, everyone is correct, a bit doubtful. Correct. It's that everyone is skeptical. It's like, can it be? Can would people listen to it? Because everybody is so in tune with the top forties and so on. I was like yep, inspired yep, with Alan Zak and the stuff that they played. So I took it yep, one step yep, further. Yep, yep, it's like yep, with my friends yep. of Naji get information, and you realize yep. that somehow or other, when you do it continuously, when you start educating the the listeners on the certain types of music that you know and you find out what they know. You kind of form, I don't want to use the word cult, but a following of people who appreciate the sound. So that's how just like is. how we became followers ourselves. Yeah, exactly. There you go. You don't know the band. You haven't heard of it, but give it a shot. Give it a try. Yes. So yes. you'll be surprised because my concept of listening to music is, I do not pay attention to the like button or the subscribe button or maybe the views. You know, all how many plays that they had. No, the least the better. That's how I look at it. You know. So, okay, because awesome. that's how you learn how to appreciate music, because everybody's right, so right. in tune with like, oh, he has a million views, it must be a good track. You just psych yourself in such a way. But then again, that's not how you enjoy or appreciate your music. You got to experience it for yourself and listen to it at least two, three times back to back, and then you realize right. that okay, this is something that suits me. Like I, I don't know whether you've heard this band called Nicotine Dolls. This is no, I haven't. Pretty, pretty popish kind of rock band and all right, the vocals. Right. When you start listening to it back to back, then you realize that these guys are unique. They have their own sound going on, and they're not the kind of people that had millions of views. Are they on, local or what? Local? Or no, they're it? not local. They're not local. Okay, he okay. made the what well, the lead vocalist made an appearance on Americans Got Talent, and one thing okay. led to another. But you, when you listen to the song, then you realize, like, man, this is nice, man. He has okay, a unique sound. Yeah. So pay less attention to the views and likes. And pay attention, more attention to the music and the performance. Like how I fell in love with Cats and Love, and I saw your music awesome. videos or other awesome. videos awesome. on YouTube. I was like, damn! Now I got to make a visit to Mateka Rai after this, lah. <laughs> so All right, man. I probably said that I'm going to come, but I never made it. I've been so tied up with a lot of things, but hopefully, no I can worries, do it no worries, soon, no man. I got to check out one of your gigs. Better late than never. Exactly, exactly. So yeah. before we wrap things up, we got to talk a little bit about your brand new single called Black yes. Monday. Yep. Uh, this is basically the theme song of everybody who goes to work on Monday feeling the blues. But instead yep. of the blues, Monday blues is Black Monday. Uh, what yep. made you write the song, man? And who's involved in the whole process of writing this particular single? Uh, I wrote this song start to finish. Uh, okay. I, I think it's pretty universal. I think you've observed how universal it is in its theme as well, right? Yep. It's the generic thing, you know, you like, you get up and like there are most days where you don't want to go to work. And usually Monday is the rotten day because you've had a weekend of Saturday and Sunday. And having yep. worked as a, having worked as a journalist, uh, Saturday and Sunday were off days for me as well. So Monday was always a drag to get up and go to work. So it just came to me. I think I had the guitar riff first and then I thought like, you know, what can I do with this? And then the... The lyrics, honestly, it just jumped out at me. I would say the song wrote itself rather than I wrote it. Nice. It came to me easy. It came to me easy. I mean, there are some songs you struggle to write and there are some songs that just write itself. This was definitely, this was actually the second song that I wrote. The first one Literally is what? The second song. Come again? First one, was, first one was what? Don't Go? The first one was, the first song I wrote is, uh, funnily enough, is going to be our second single. Okay. So our first single is the second song your, I wrote. Your, 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 your past is going to be your future at this particular present. Yeah. Actually, I actually I had a debate with Sid. I didn't want Black Monday to be the first single. Just okay. I'll, share, I'll share this with you. Yeah, The first song I wrote was the song I wanted to be the first single. But then 
Sid and my bandmates all told me like, no way, man. Black Monday is the first single I like. Okay, you know what? Maybe as the writer, I've become so attached to it. So I okay. realized at this point onwards, I want to lepas tangan. Let the other guys call the shots. I think you know? they did a good move because after based on this conversation, now I'm looking forward for the second single also. Okay, so for me, that second single is the first song I wrote, and I don't know. Maybe I just in my mind I conceived that. I just conceived that. I, I mean, the way I arranged everything in there, I just like that better. And maybe that sentimentality that it was the first Catch and Love song. And when you come to a Catch and Love show, that's the first song we play. Black okay. Monday is the second song we play. So for me, I looked at it like that. First single must be the first song in our set, lah. Second single will be the second song. But everybody told me like, no. Even my nephew, who is a big fan of the band, said, no, Uncle Owen, Black Monday has to be the first song. Then it is unanimous. So unanimously, I lost. I was the only person who disagreed. So then I thought, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, it could be because others, so, others see it in a different view. But it is a good song. Yeah. I must admit it. I heard the whole track. I, Thank you I so did much. it on loop for so the much. past couple of things. Listening to it back to back again. It is a great song. I'll post it on the website. Uh, you can check it awesome. out right after the Thank next to the picture. So Just click on it. Um, and also be right. on the lookout for their videos. Uh, well, you had a video recently released uh, for this track called Don't Go. Yes. That is probably the most recent song I wrote. So uh, Sid wanted to, uh, Sid helped us apply for a Chandana grant to do a video. He was talk, telling me about so, it. Yeah, so I thought, why not feature a new song since the al- since this Don't Go will not be featured on the debut album. Oh, okay. Yeah, it won't. It won't because, as I said, the time scale is all messed up. What is going to be the first album was recorded in 2009 <laughs> and what comes out later is going to come out later. Oh, so this, this, all that... You're... Yeah, it's all kind of messed up. So there's a bit of straightening out. So Sid told me, Lohan, I think you got a lot of straightening out in terms of interviews you gave and how you explain things to people. I'm like, what do you, you like? You, it's just one of the You know what, Lohan? I think this is something brilliant. You know, <laughs> you, you call it a mess. I call it genius. Because you can, it's like you expect the unexpected. is nothing about following a trend, uh, the system or whatever algorithm you want to call it. It's yeah. just that it's all over the place, but it is in the right place. You know, that's the best part about the so. whole album. You know, that's, that's how so. I like to look at it, which is interesting. I've never experienced anything like this before. You know, the first time... I can tell I'm you nothing listening. was scripted. Ah, good, man. I like it very much. The more the reason for me to check out the entire album and to follow awesome. you guys more. Because, ah, like I said, every time everything is usually in the most conversation. You know how it works, right? When you talk to bands yeah. and all. Yeah, everything's yeah. all planned. Everything is all systematic. Scripted, and it's, yes. Yeah, it's so monotonous. But this time, I've really enjoyed it, man. I just, I just look awesome, awesome, forward awesome. for more of this stuff. There is a, there is a calm in the chaos somewhere in there. Exactly. I hope there's a song coming up with that title, man. <laughs> this, this is like a awesome, movie awesome. already, the whole thing. Fantastic. Uh, fantastic. Uh, Lohan, I have to say, I truly enjoyed it. And... Uh, this conversation, so especially much, finding Mama. out that we are so close. We've been close yes. for all those years, but didn't know each other. We never knew each other. Ridiculous, yeah? Yeah, side by side, Taman, same school, almost yes. the same I might have been it. buying Karimi at one stall and you were buying Chakoitiao and two stalls away from me. You never know, man. We Studying the same school, other. we never knew would have bumped into each other how many school. times. Yeah. yeah, of course, I was way skinnier back then during school days, so 
Maybe you can't okay. see the difference now. <laughs> okay, okay. But then again, I mean, like generally, I kind of kept uh, kept to my batch fellas, and you know, yeah. it was just That's one just, of those things, lah. Yeah, but I think if we have a longer conversation when we meet up, we'll somehow. I'm sure we can place. connect a lot of dots. Yeah, a lot of it, man. So far, a we connected a lot of, lot of dots. dots that Geographically, point. we were close, and school-wise, we were in the same school. Ridiculous, man. Yeah. I know. I just messaged Sid. Is like he was shocked. It's like, did you know? Uh, uh, <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah. man. This, yeah. this is absolutely. I'm sure. You cool. know what? If you you're from Red Garden. I'm willing to bet my last dollar. My parents know your parents. Yeah, exactly. I was just about to say that. Okay, I won't be because, surprised if you did, man. Yeah, because my dad was like the president of the Para Malayali Association. Ah, then definitely lah. Should be yeah, lah somewhere. So, so somewhere in there. So yeah, yeah. Small world, small world. Small world, very small world, small man. World. It's good to see you, and it's good to have a chat yeah, with you. Finally, yeah, I'm stunned that we have so much in common, but we have to catch up, man. We will, we will definitely will. I'll definitely drop all by right. in one of your shows, and remember right, to follow awesome. Cats and Love for all the details on the social media, uh, Spotify, awesome. YouTube. Everything is on the website, so all you have to do is just. Head on to www.sltwithnav.com and uh, all you, whatever you need is available there. But remember, if you're going to check out the band, please make sure if check out the band on the uh, social media and uh, Spotify. Make sure you click on the subscribe button and also follow the button and share it with as many people as possible. Experience the music awesome. not only by audio, visually. Go to their concert, go to their gigs, and uh, check them out. All the details you can see it over there. Okay, right? So, Lohan. Once again, thank you very much, man. Thank you so much. Is thank there anything you so like to share before we wrap it up? Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure and honor. Thank you very much, sir. Awesome. We'll call it a wrap, man. We'll call it. All a wrap. right.